I refrain from using, you know, um, phrases like deep state. Right. What I think we is more accurate is uh, a techni- techno bureaucrats, right? So you get a, a layer of technocratic bureaucratic uh, expertise that's there for 20 or 30 years, that's risen up through the ranks. And so you get to that GS 14 or 15 level. So 14 is equivalent to about a lieutenant colonel. 15 is a colonel. Then we have your senior executive ranks that are the general levels, okay? And to put it in the military uh, uh, parlance. Um, Those people have been around a long time, okay? They see elected people come and go, okay? And so if, if, if they're given an order, we call it the slow roll, right? Right. The slow roll. Why? Cause you know, that person is on to something else in two years or four years if they're voted out of office and you can slow roll it. Yeah, we're doing it, but you're really not doing the full intent of the okay. order. You're I running you're the clock a, out. Yeah. You're okay. running the clock out. This is episode number 169 with Ron Hammond. You're listening to American Snippets, the all-American podcast for those looking to dream bigger, live better, and make an impact. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to American Snippets. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We have another awesome show for you. Our guest today is Ron Hammond, a former CIA operations officer and U.S. Army Guard officer. He has over 28 years in the intelligence community where he focused on the Middle East and South Asia, more specifically on combating terrorism and stopping the proliferation of weapons of mass destruction. Ron maintained professional involvement in the defense industry for a number of years, developing cutting-edge technology and running related businesses. Today, he is fully invested in his uh, solution to censorship, the attack on free speech, and access to full and truthful news. His solution is in the form of a new platform operated by himself and a number of highly qualified professionals from various areas of the military, government, and our first responder communities. Ops Lens is emerging as an innovative and interactive platform at the forefront of patriotism and current events. In this episode, Ron Hammond talks about the personal and professional side of his life as a CIA officer, his work in the defense industry, and how OpsLens is poised at the tip of the spear that is piercing through the censorship and civil unrest that we see today. So without further ado, here is Barbara Allen with Ron Hammond. You are listening to the American Snippets Podcast. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of American Snippets. I'm your co-host, Barb Allen. I am already having a good time with today's guest, Ron Hammond, and you are about to have an amazing time as well, I promise you. And hopefully we'll make this fun for Ron, who is not at all, not only is he not used to being on the receiving end of any kind of camera, he was actually trained and specialized for years how to stay away from the camera and how not to be known. But he did it to himself because he put himself out there on a whole new platform, which requires him him to do all this. So we're happy to be part of the push for him to do what he needs to do. And we're super excited to be a part of that as well. Ron Hammond, you're a former CIA agent, man. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I am. But <laughs> that's just fun uh, to say. Go ahead. Yeah, we, we like to say officer. 
so officer, we recruit, right? Yep, we recruit agents, right, uh, to do our work for us, and we are the the officers operating. Okay. Well, once upon yeah. a time, you were recruited as an agent, so that was technically a correct statement. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you were once upon a time an agent and an officer. Okay, so okay. speaking of, how does that happen? Like, were you recruited, or, or is this something? Actually, no. Uh, well. It happens a myriad of ways, but okay. the way I was done, I, I just applied. Um, there were you only just walk into some office and say, hey, here's my no, application. I, I applied to an ad, and uh, next thing you know, you meet in a hotel room, and uh, they, they talk, to you, talk to you, interview you, and it takes a series of several days, and uh, you take some tests, and then um, if they're interested, they, they call you back, and then there's a series of extra things that go on. But yeah, yeah, I just uh, applied. It was only two things I wanted to do, uh, Marine Officer Flight School or uh, CIA. So so you just grew up knowing those things. I either want to be a Marine or I want to be in the CIA. Uh, what, yeah, one of those two. Yeah. <laughs> so what exactly does an ad for the CIA look like? Does it say um, we're, we're hiring for the CIA, like in Craigslist? Like where did... Yeah, usually it used to be, now they're everywhere, yeah, Right. Um, but it used to be like the Wall Street Journal, uh, Financial Times uh, overseas, and um, Chicago Tribune, papers like that. They would run a page or, a, you know, half a page, and it would say, you know, it would have the CIA emblem or, or maybe the world, uh, and it would, say, you know, give you a series of questions in, in the ad about, uh, you know, challenges. Are you up to the challenge type of thing? Right. Uh, and if you if you say yes to these, then you should put your uh, resume in with us because we have a, a job for you. Cool. So you walk into that hotel room. How old were you when you when you did this? <laughs> I was 20. Uh, gosh, 23, 24. Mm -hmm. OK, so 23, 24. Yeah. Had you gone the college route? What have you been doing? The yep, I went years? to college. Uh, I was a uh, genetics was my background. Genetic okay. engineering. I got out of college. I worked at a biotech company for a while um, while I was waiting to figure it out, uh, okay. put in the, uh, to do the process. And it took about 18 months. Uh, From the time the you saw thing. the ad to the time. The, yep. Yeah. To the time you onboarded. Yeah. It's 18 okay. months. All right. So you go through this 18 month process. You're in the CIA. What's your first day on the job? Uh. Well, the first first days are basically uh, student type of days, right? right? So you're in a, an environment where you're uh, you're given classes. What's the structure of the organization? What's the history? Um, what's its importance within uh, the U.S. government? And you're given a, uh, a very broad brush but deep uh, exposure into what is the CIA all about and how it functions. And then you go through a series of other classes after that, that, uh, cause you're there with other uh, prospective officers as well. And everybody's learning together about what it is to be an officer. Right. Okay. So, so does that impact things like in your, your relationships that you have, family, friends, when you <laughs> go into something so, like yes. so intense. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Uh, you know, the, the interesting thing is that the, the agency gives you the freedom to 
and, and latitude to bring those into your inner circle that you trust, uh, meaning break cover with those people like your close family. Okay. Um, which I always found uh, nice because they trust us enough to validate the people that we're bringing into that circle. Right. Right. The problem is, is you, you, you can't tell a, an eight year old that, you, Oh yeah, my dad's a, <laughs> yeah, yeah. a CIA officer. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's the timing of which, you know, your kid better, you know, your family better. So you're the one that should be able to tell them and bring them in on that secret. The, the downside is you bring them on, on in on that secret and you're asking them to perpetuate uh, a lie, right? right? So there's a weight that comes with that when you ask somebody in to, to disclose who, what it is that you do and who you're doing it for, because they have to then help protect you, right? Right. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's, that's the tough parts about it. And that could be the strain. Typically it is on relationships that, and the fact that we leave on uh, assignments when you're undercover and you're an operations officer, you're, you have a go back and you're ready to go uh, at moment's notice. And a lot of times you're traveling and you're in alias. So there's not a lot of calling back home or, or checking in with your spouse. So your spouse has to really, really uh, have a strong relationship with you and understand that you're going to be gone for time periods where you you can't say anything. You can't check in. Yeah. So that's a tough Yeah. What's a typical, is there like an average time that you would be gone? Like weeks, six months? What's the longest time you were gone? The longest time I was gone? um, About five months. Okay. So, all right. So yeah. five months. Um, honestly, yeah. Like as a military spouse, you're like, oh, okay, five months. Like, you, <laughs> you know, yeah. that's. But uh, yeah, it's different. It's it's still hard. You really have like the person on the other end also has to have their shit together in a lot of ways. Like, because you got to be able to yep. like run everything at a moment's notice. If you had these plans, especially if you have families and kids, if you had plans like, oh, dad's going to take you here, and I'm going to do this, and you're going to do that, and all of a sudden. That ground falls out. You have to be able to. to You're left you with know. the kids having to deal with the home front, all yeah. the issues. Yeah. Uh, the, Explaining the to the kids like, hey, why, why can't daddy make it to this event? Like, Exactly. Yeah. Why yeah. is daddy missing my birthday? You yeah. Know? Or why is he missing Christmas? And he can't even and call. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Why hasn't he called and, and checked in and talked with us? Yeah. Well, he's busy. Yeah. Right, <laughs> okay. right, 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 right. Yeah. It's a tough yeah. thing. So if you have little cracks in your relationship, those things tend to create chasms. Yeah. Uh, if you if you go overseas, right, which you typically do, you take your spouse and your family overseas to a posting. Uh, okay. If in the traditional sense, if you're in cover with respect to uh, the more USG related organizations like Department of State and things like that, you'll take your family over. Uh, there the, now you're in a foreign environment. So magnify all those issues that you'd have at home, but in a foreign environment where (laughs) that might be a deal breaker. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tough. tough There's no support system. There's none of that. And it's not like you can move into somewhere and be like, Oh, my husband's in this yet. Like you can't have a block of CIA agent families, like all helping each other and supporting each other. Well, that said, you're not supposed to, if you're undercover, you're not Mm -hmm. supposed to, 
fraternize with other people that could be uh, right. in, the, in the agency at the same organization that you're at in that country. So you have to keep your distance. Right. And then the other people who are not typically agency um, that are real officers in, say, the Department of State or whatever, right. uh, they play games. Oh, that person's this, that person's that. And it, it's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult time sometimes. Yeah. So were your, um, you know, the assignments that you got, were they these assignments that were actually, did they have, were there dangerous elements to them um, that you uh, obviously can't tell your family? Yeah. About them? Yeah. yeah. Not, uh, not all of them, but you know, it depends on what danger is. Like there was yes, like a chance in, you might not come home from work that day. Dangerous. Yes. There, there were those, yeah. <laughs> there were yeah. those, um, but the bulk of an operations officer, um, typically what they do is we're supposed to gather information on behalf of the U.S. government, right? So a lot of what you see in the TV and what's become with operations officers since the war on terror is more proactive and kinetic, if you will, okay. uh, interfaces with, uh, with the enemy. Typically, that's not what we're trained to do we we capable of doing that because we have sanctions to from the exec, executive branch to be able to conduct covert action we're the only one that, that can do that right, right. cia so you have to be trained for that uh, and capable to do that and there are times when i was involved in those activities absolutely but the bulk of an operations officer's life is typically to to find sources of information uh, that can benefit the u.s government how do you go about doing that? How do you like land somewhere and <laughs> just feel like, oh, that you look like someone I could talk? I mean, how? <laughs> yeah. How do you just identify it's, those people? It's doing your homework. Yeah. So you're going to know something about the country because you've studied before you've gotten there. Um, you know uh, the government structure. You know the power players, uh, and then basically you have a list of targets that uh, you think could give you access. Some right. of that uh, comes as happenstance. Some of it's pre-planned. Some of it is uh, determined by other branches saying, we want information in this realm or this uh, area. And these are the people uh, that, that basically are in that area. Okay, so I'll figure out how to get uh, access to somebody who has access or direct access to the person. Cool. And so all these time, all this time you're taught, stay out of, like, don't draw attention to yourself, blend right in, be a part of this. Um, exactly. Unlike <laughs> James Bond type of yeah, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It, no, no. It's the, the, the plainer you look and the plainer you act and the, the more low key you are, you want to be the gray guy or gal yeah. who walks into the room and no uh, one remembers. And like, yeah, I was there, but nobody remembered. Dude, they should have hired me in high school. I would have been the bomb. <laughs> Literally, I could have got anything from anybody. There's people I said I meet now. They don't even know they were in high school with me. Like still. Um, and beyond that, beyond that, I feel like I missed my calling. I feel like I could have used I could have used my my scale of obscurity, my secret power. I, 
man, look at it like a secret power instead of the way I did. I just thought I was a loser. Who knew I was an undiscovered CIA operative? There Um, you go. Man, (laughs) missed it. (laughs) But for (laughs) for anybody else who's listening who may feel like, you know, you're constantly ignored and overlooked and nobody knows you exist, you might be you might be designed to be a CIA operative. Who knew? See, there's opportunity in everything, right? (laughs) Exactly. So about how long were you um, with the CIA? Uh, A little over 13 years. Okay. Uh, And then I left, it was around 2000. What prompted that decision? There was a lot going on uh, at the agency at that time, government in general, but the agency in particular. Um, It was a tumultuous time. Probably half the the students that were in my class uh, that became officers were gone by that time. What there was, was a going lot of, on? Like- well, there was a lot of uh, structural changes that were taking place inside, and one could al- also argue that we were, you know, drifting away from um, the more core essence of what operations were. At least that's what I thought. In what way? Uh, what way others. did you feel that way? Well, there's a lot of. Uh, uh, well, you're seeing you're seeing elements of that now in yeah. today's society with political correctness. Um, we can't do things certain ways. Uh, we need to be uh, more worried about having the gym for employment morale in the back than figuring out what we need to do with respect to operations in that area. Uh, not taking risks uh, like we used to uh, in terms of uh, you know, bold risks in, in, in terms of the acquisition of information. You know, it, it, was, it was not not the way it used to be. And so a lot of us felt like, okay, don't want to deal with the struggle um, and left. And so I left and went to work for EDS, uh, and which is, was a IT company and realized, you know, what a joke. I mean, this, this, this company is 160,000 people and it's, it does, how does it make money? It doesn't even know the customer base because I was basically helping uh, consult back into the Intel community, I see. And uh, I said, I could do this on my own. So me and a couple of friends left and started a company. I left EDS and started a company called Spectal. Okay. Spectal, specialized talent. And so everything that you found in the agency my company was a microcosm of the agency. So we, I, I went to Iraq five times with, uh, <laughs> with my company and couple, about three with, uh, to Afghanistan. And to do what? I'm, to help, <laughs> help with the war. Help in uh, how? Did you carry well, water bottles? Did you get uh, intel? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. how? We were, yeah. we were embedded with the officers okay. working. All right. Uh, and and so was, that was a, like a private, almost like a private contractor. Like it was, was it the, gov- the government hired back, you. Yep. The, the government hired. You. So yep. you left the government agency to become a private contractor for the government yep. doing the same work on your terms. In a kind of roundabout way. I was yeah. not going to, I didn't want to, uh, I went to work for EDS and was going right. to just phase out. But then the war happened. I hated EDS. So I was like, okay, let's make our own company and figure this. We can do better than this. And we did. That company was you know, a lot of the biometric stuff that you see. We de- we developed it. <laughs> we were bought by a company called L1 Identity Solutions, which all the biotechnology 
that you see was pioneered from that company and my company. So for identity management, we were doing, we ran the watch list at one point for the country. We were doing a lot of stuff. Wow. That's quite the legacy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, anybody was in the army that used the hide. It was a little pocket thing that, right. I developed that. It was, you basically take the, the photo of the eyes, the irises, uh, the face and the fingerprints of anybody that you stop at a roadblock or after an IED went off and you do a biometric search on them. All of that stuff was developed uh, through my company. Yeesh. That's so. pretty awesome. So then at some point though, you're like, okay, I've had enough of this. I'm going to sell this. Yep. You so sold I sold it. it, stayed on board mm-hmm. for a little bit, a few years, because they, they ask you to. And then I left in like 2010 because we sold the company in 20, 2006. Um, I stayed on board till 2010 uh, and then decided to, to do a different company. It was called RAI, uh, Ronin Associates is what it was. And it was similar to Spectal, but more tech uh, related. Okay. And so uh, I started that in June of 2010 and grew it to about I don't know, 70, 75 people by 2013. And then the people who bought my company before came back and said, let's, let's put this company together with some other tech companies and do some other stuff. So I said, sure. So they bought into that company and we grew it uh, under this thing called the Radiant Group. And we did a lot of geospatial work. So one of the, the things I'm that nodding made, like I know what that is. I'm like, oh, yeah. geospatial work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, geospatial <laughs> I don't know what intel. that is. <laughs> okay. Ge- we call it geoint, geoint, okay. geo, uh, geointelligence, <laughs> right? Uh, where yeah. um, you're basically getting a three dimensional picture of, uh, of, in this case, the enemy um, uh, to be able to, to help the DOD. That's what we were doing. So if you ever saw, I think it was ODARK 30, that yeah, laptop. Yeah. That laptop where they were going around Ralph Pindy. Right. That's what we developed. Actually, that that laptop was probably uh I'm surprised that was in the movie, but oh yeah. wow. So you know what? I gotta say, not that you need me to tell you this, but I'm already feeling like you were among the perfect people for the job because I'm sitting here talking to you and you're like so unassuming. You're like just talking about this stuff like Oh my gosh, I was at this event last week and I saw this person. They did like it's so common, like like just listening to you, you really have to sort of process what you're saying because it just sounds so normal and so, like so conversational, but what you're saying is just huge stuff that is is normal to you, right? But the average person um it's not normal to, you know, it's actually like super um like out there. And it's one of those things that it just doesn't occur to you that, you know, you yourself could be a part of. So I feel like well, I could talk you. to you for like, you know, 12 years and just keep going, you know, and get into all this. Um, well, so you. is there a moment on, on the job or in any of your career capacities, right? That just sticks with you, like where you had a moment, like, like that aha moment, they call it, or a moment of clarity or like a poignant moment or something that, really shifted your perspective on life in general or your work, you know, like one particular incident that you think back, you're like, oh, that is a day I will never forget. It's obviously something that you can talk about. Um, Gosh, that's yeah. a very good question. Um, 
I think, you know, I hate to not give you one specific, but, but when I look back at the involvement in, in the IC and in the agency, it, uh, it was, it was one of those things where you don't take time to think about it while you're in it. But when you, when you're out, you look back and think, gosh, we did some actually some really cool things and pushed history just a little bit one way. Nobody really knows, but we pushed history just a little bit that way for the good. Right. Yeah. I think over, I think that's the overall feeling that you get when you're, uh, you're an officer with the, uh, with the agency. It's a great place to work. Yeah. Would you recommend it today to somebody coming up and saying, like, I have a son who's, he's going to college for forensics. He's hell bent to be in the FBI now, like a ballistics expert. He wants to be right. Um, if he was into, I want to be in the CIA, what would your advice to somebody coming in? Yeah. Because, and it's a different, it's, it's a different organization uh, today than it was even 10 years ago. Um, at its core, I think, uh, I would say, okay, look, what do you, do you like dealing with people or do you like dealing with tech? sounds like your son likes dealing with tech. So I would say if you like dealing with tech, go to the science and technology director, become a technical operations officer, and you'll have an unbelievable time. Do it while you're in college. They have internships. Um, and you can differentiate yourself, right? Because not just anybody is going to be able to get an internship in college uh, yeah. and and do the partying lifestyle like some some do, <laughs> right? <laughs> you, you, you can't do that. But I, yeah. I would say def- definitely get in early. Get in through college if you can, through a rep, and, and, and send in your resume. What they will want for more the operations side is now more seasoned people. And what I mean by that is, you know, they've, they've always wanted people with dual languages. They've mm-hmm. always wanted people with um, some experience, but even more so now they like that. Uh, they like that you've done work in an overseas environment. Uh, you've been able to, to show that you're adaptable, right? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I got another son of mine who would probably be perfect for that. Uh, I got a lot of sons. What can I say? This is awesome. <laughs> that's what I did for a while. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and my hat's off to you for that. That's, a, that's, that's awesome. Seems like a really, really good idea at one point. Um, and it's only just starting to circle back to, oh, wow, that was a good idea. But for a while there. Oh, um, okay. So there's a lot now in the news about the CIA and deep state and all this stuff. And in your opinion or insight, when it's so easily dismissed by a lot of people, if you bring it up, like if I bring that up in conversation, obviously the word crazy comes into play, conspiracy theory, tinfoil hat, all that stuff gets thrown at you. Um, What's your thought on that? Is it a tinfoil hat club that would be open to the possibility of that? Or is there a potential that that stuff... Um, bears looking I, into. Yeah, I, I, look, I think it's good. Que- great question. Well, yeah, I, I think the how I look at it, I, I refrain from using you know um, phrases like deep state. Right. What I think we is more accurate is uh, a techno techno bureaucrats. Right. 
So you get a, a layer of technocratic, bureaucratic uh, expertise that's there for 20 or 30 years, that's risen up through the ranks. And so you get to that GS 14 or 15 level. So 14 is equivalent to about a lieutenant colonel. 15 is a colonel. Then we have your senior executive ranks that are the general levels, okay? And to put it in the military uh, uh, parlance. Um, those people have been around a long time, okay? They see elected people come and go, yeah. okay? And so if, if, if they're given an order, we call it the slow roll, right? Uh, right, the slow roll. Why? Because you know that person is on to something else in two years or four years if they're voted out of office and you can slow roll it. Yeah, we're doing it, but you're really not doing the full intent of the okay. order. You're I running you're the clock a, out. Yeah. You're okay. running the clock out. I think you're seeing a lot of that because okay. a technocrat slash bureaucrat who now has 30 years of, of service says, I know more than that person that is telling me to do contrary to, to what I think because I'm the expert. And you hear that word a lot, scientific expert, expert in this. Uh, I hate the word expert. I, I like the word experience, right? And experience comes in all flavors, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of times you've become stovepipe in your experience within the IC in certain aspects. That's what you see. So, and you don't give credit to somebody like a Trump who comes in with you know, these other, other ways of looking at things to say, oh, well, that, that's not the way the old, it's not been done here, right? That's not the yes. way we've done it before. Well, yeah. okay, but where's it gotten us? Right. <laughs> the, you know, it didn't get us uh, um, some peace treaties in the Middle East uh, going about it the regular way, uh, yeah, but he did currently. Uh, right. uh, five peace treaties that he just laid down before he's exiting office. So, I, yeah, I think it's a bureaucratic state. And uh, unfortunately, I think now because of the business side, and I'll be the first to say I, I, I was part of that, right? I left, I started right. a business, and I was back in helping. And there is that bond that we all knew each other, right? Yeah. There, there's some good that can be had from that. There's some bad that can be had from that. And what I think we're seeing is the bad that, that's going on right now. They know better than everybody else, and they everybody should shut up and listen. Yes, that sounds like a familiar mantra in my life <laughs> that I am being yep. told very, very often. Okay, you said something a little while ago when you were talking about how you left and started your own company because you said, we can do better than this. It seems like that is also something that is ingrained in you, something that either you turn to or which turns to you, which way it is, I don't know, but it seems like something that you do and how you roll and how you operate because it looks like you've said that again lately. You know, we could do better than this in terms of mainstream media and what is being put out there and what the public is being told. People like me, by the way, um, I, I would say I represent the majority of Americans in the fact that I don't have access. Like, I don't have an understanding of what's actually going on behind the scenes. I don't know what could be going on. I'm forced to rely on what comes out, like um, what is publicly announced, right? And so I'm dependent on those who dole out that information and how they choose to dole it out. And that is the case with the majority of Americans. And so what has been doled out to us 
his 96 percent, 97 or 98 percent slanted one way um, yep. and very little percent slanted the other, you know, giving an opposing view or just a questioning view. Uh, and so most of the people in my world are over here and telling me I'm crazy or I'm a worse words than that, a horrible person. I'm a terrorist. I'm okay. Qaeda. I'm tearing this country down all this, just because yep. I'm questioning, uh, you know, what is out there. And the rest of us are sort of being hurt. Like they've heard of this out, but what they didn't understand is happening is that by smooshing us all together. Now we're all together, right? Like now. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so we had to find a place to land and there's new platforms out. Dan Bongino's Parlor and Rumble are two of the biggest ones, but you have come out with your own platform and your own solution to this. Talk about OpsLens, um, what that is. Got it. Thank you. There's two aspects to OpsLens. You know, yeah. to, to echo what you just said, you know, I was always frustrated because I'm looking at the news, I'm watching the television and or reading the articles and I'm thinking, what has this person done? What has Rachel Maddow done really, you know, uh, the, <laughs> to, to uh, basically discuss these issues other than read some books and talk with some people, but she hasn't done the work really. Right. Um, and so what I wanted to do is have a platform that comments and gives opinion through the lens of operational experience. It's ops lens. Right? Okay. And, and basically, we set up the website with respect to articles. And so there are articles and a lot of the people that are the contributors uh, have served in some capacity, whether it's in the military, the, uh, the diplomatic corps, local law enforcement and first responders, the intel community, they've served in some capacity to have garnered uh, experience, to be able to, right. to talk from. Okay? Yes. I don't tell them what to write. Uh, and, and in fact, a lot of the contributors love that. They've come to me and said, well, we've written for X, Y, or Z, and they always tell us we have to strike this sentence or redo this paragraph mm -hmm. because this is the message they wanna give. And I'm like, that's not what we're about. You know, what we're about is uh, you've served in some way, you've garnered your experience and you have a view that the, the average person who hasn't had those types of experiences needs to hear. Yes. And so you write it, right? All I ask is no hyperbole, <laughs> no, you know, you know, off color language. And if you start to cite facts, you please you know, cite your facts. Cite them, yeah. Yeah, so that you can you can show where you got your information from. Different than opinion, but if you're citing facts, you, you just cite your cite right. your stuff. Um, and that's really how we run the website, right? And then on the app side, what I, I've done is, well, if I spent my whole life looking for information to present to, uh, to those people in power to make decisions on behalf of the United States government, I figure, okay, I can find information that's germane and, and, and substantive to people in their everyday lives that I think if they took time to look at it, read it, or watch the show, that they would get something out of it that would help them in their daily lives, whether that's yeah. political commentary or health issues, because there's a broad spectrum of stuff on the app that, that covers life, right? 
And I'm just using the lens of operational experience to pull in those things that I think could be helpful to people in their daily life. I'm not trying to bash anybody over the head uh, and change. I'm just trying to say, this is worth your attention. So tune into the app and and check it out. Yeah. And so OpsLens is something that people can hop on their phone and go to the app store Mm -hmm. and the O-P-S-L-E-N-S is the app. Yes, ma'am. and so it's an Apple, it's an Apple, it's an Android, both on those platforms for the, uh, for the cell phone. Uh, the live TV portion is on the website as well. Um, but you can't do chat room and all like you can if you're, if you're in the app. Right. And um, it's on Roku and Apple TV as well. And we're going to try to be on fire stick here in about three or four weeks. So. So OpsLens offers um, commentary and insight on current events, as well as issues that are prevalent in every in everyday life. And what's different from OpsLens that they may not find out there, like on Fox News or CNN yeah. or whatever else is out there? Well, the, in particular, the app is interactive, and we're we're our goal is to grow a community, right? That appreciates the information and and I'll, you know, I'll face, let's face it. Most of us tend to be center, right, yeah. conservative. And so there it's a conservative community basically. Um, and it gives those people that are on the app, the ability to use some of the video tech that, uh, that have built into the app. So if you want to do a commentary, uh, you're a follower of American snippets or mm-hmm. whatever the show is, Right. You can use the icon of that show and create a video commentary to that show. Loved your last show. This is the topic I loved or didn't like it. This is why. Or, hey, have you thought about uh, doing this topic? Because this is important to me and my world. Right. And nobody seems to be listening (laughs) anywhere. Uh, And then you take that video that you make and you can post it to the app. We can also push that to social media. So back into the mainstream platforms from our platform, you can push these vignettes, if you will, from followers, basically yeah. saying, this is this is what we're experiencing in our world, guys. Boom. And push it back into Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn. That's awesome for a lot of reasons. Um, and one of those is that someone who's watching a show or consuming the content who may not have that platform, who may have a very real point or something that's festering with them or is important to them, who could put it out on their own platform and get no response, can put it out under this platform where it's opened up to tens of thousands of people who tune into your shows. And all of a yep. sudden, their viewpoint, their question their idea or comment or insight is now put in front of tens of thousands of people where that, so that helps elevate a listener too and expand their own reach and their own network and community. That's really cool. And I haven't seen that before. Um, yep. Where, yeah. And we have the ability to be those people that, um, obviously you wouldn't want to just do it to anybody, but you know, people that are, um, not trolls. <laughs> yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. you get troll, you get trolls. You no, know, you get trolls. Yeah. I don't, oh, I tell you, I tell you, <laughs> but yeah, p- individuals can be made to be a reporter. And so the okay. idea is you're using the app. That person could be designated to be uh, a live stream reporter. 
And what happens is, is the minute they go live at an event, anybody who has the app says, uh, you know, Barbara is live now okay. on the options app. And so anybody who has the app can see, okay, I, I got to go. What, what's, what's the live what's she thing doing? going Where's on? Where's she at? Like, yeah. 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 And then you go in and, oh, she's at a peaceful demonstration trying to. <laughs> <laughs> Doc <take>, Barb. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Looking at looking at uh, what's really going on. And right. so now every, all the viewers of the app get a real-time uh, feed, if you will, from somebody within the community about what's going on in their world. They're reporting, basically, citizen yeah. journalism into the app. So that's currently the, the iteration that I have on the app. About third quarter, I think, second or third quarter of next year, what we're looking to do is then anybody who reports will be able to take that stream and multicast it to Facebook or Twitter until they cut it off. And then I'm going to say, Oh, they're going to love you. (laughs) Exactly. When they cut it off, it'll be on the app. Right. 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 And we'll be able to record and save it right now. We can't record it and save it, nor can we multicast, but the vision is to have it be able to do that. Right. right? And, and then empower uh, the followers even more with with yeah. that ability, right? That's well, really really uh, cool in a in a lot of ways. And I know uh, there's very few places for people to have found to land uh, people, you know, like me and like our audience and our community and our viewers who, you know, just find themselves being pushed to one side because we question the narrative being fed. On the other side, so when you're questioning a narrative and you're told to sit down, shut up, you're a racist, you're a Nazi, you're this or that, and you should be ashamed of yourself, obviously you're going to then, well, a lot of people are being submissive. I can't tell you, man, how many people have come to me, messaged me, people I know personally um, or just know via online, they follow me online. They're like, I think I'm so glad that you do what you do and are saying what you do. I can't post that publicly. I can't share your stuff because I'll never work again or because I won't be welcome in my in-laws house again or like that's ridiculous. <laughs> and you, so you I I I you're yeah. telling a story there that I Yeah, preaching to the choir, you. right? Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's yeah. amazing how many people I love what you're doing. I say, "Oh, come and join, you know, yes. help us out." No, 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 no. I, no, I don't yeah. want to target on my back. I'm like, yes. okay. Great. Or we're a, we're a nonprofit, and um, you know, because we we're we're hosting this event, Mean Day, and we're gonna have beneficiaries that are certain nonprofits. Oh no, we can't really like put that out there because we're serving people from all aspects of politics. We're like, okay, so what's the problem? Like, what we're not we're not telling you that we're not gonna support you because exactly. people who use your services disagree with us politically. We're saying we'd like to support you and everybody you serve, regardless of. They're like, that didn't even enter. Like, we're not the ones who entered that into the conversation, you know? Bingo. Um, but we're the least taught. And so when this happens over and over and over and you keep hitting the wall, hitting the wall, hitting the wall, you you turn to people like you. Like, I'm so glad you created this uh, platform because, you know, we were looking for somewhere to, to land and grow and connect and collaborate as well. And more and more people are coming over. Uh, and shifting and doing that, you know, I'm being a little smothered on the other platforms, absolutely being smothered on the other uh, mm-hmm. platforms as well. And it's unfortunate, but it gives rise to new opportunity and new leaders, people like you who are going to come out uh, and start those 
platforms. How hard was that to start? How did you some because your team is like CIA agent, special officer here, this, that, like your team's pretty scary, actually. <laughs> like when you look at but how did you <laughs> I'm sure you're all nice people. <laughs> we <laughs> <But> are. Like, <laughs> but until like, we aren't. <laughs> until you aren't, right? That's it. Um that's very true. We're very nice until we aren't. Um, so, you know, I'll say on your nice side for now, unless you piss me <laughs> off and then I could, I'm just kidding. So how, like, how did you, how did you gather that team together and talk about some of the people who are on your team, where they come from, what is their area of expertise? Yeah. yeah it, it, Experience, not expertise. What is It's it? yeah. more eclectic really yeah. in, in terms of the people that you come across. I served with a lot of them. So a lot of the contributors that you'll see, at least from the agency side, I served with, you know. Dan Harris, Luis Rueda. I mean, you know, Luis was a, uh, a senior executive. Uh, he, for many years, I worked with him. Great guy. Dan Harris, same. He was a senior executive. He got out um, and focused a lot on the, on the Middle East as well. Uh, so Gary Bernson, he's, if you ever read the book, Jawbreaker, yeah. Uh, he, he's like a brother. He, he, uh, I, I was his deputy at one point in a overseas post. Um, he ran the ground war, uh, in Afghanistan. Um, at, the, at least in the beginning, uh, team jawbreaker was the code for that. That's the book, but it, he and I go way back. So he's involved, uh, Shelly Mateer. She's the editor, uh, for the, uh, for the articles for me on uh, on the website, great lady. She was a uh, an officer uh, in the agency as well. Um, she, what we call a, a special operations officer. So she was an uh, she she ran and managed a lot of the programs and and dealt with uh, guys like me, operations guys who sometimes need to be slapped in the head to say no, you, you need to think, rethink that and do maybe do something else. So that was her forte. Um, yeah, just a lot. Everybody's eclectic, you know, in, yeah. in terms of uh, the backgrounds that they bring and the expertise that they bring. And everyone believes uh, in this mission you have to absolutely offer a different platform. Is this your full time gig? This is what you're doing now. You're investing your yep. own resources and time this and effort. This is my own money, this. my own resources. Um, <sighs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> I feel your pain. I feel yeah. it. <laughs> um, you know, it, yeah, yeah. And and we're, what we want to do is keep it free as well. Right. Um, and so the you know that's why the app is downloadable free. Uh, the idea there is, I, I, I believe, subscription services are, uh, uh, you know, I think they're a dying thing. I think only a few people, or only a few companies, are going to be you know able to to sustain that, you know, the, the right. Amazons and the Netflix, the Apples, they're going to be the ones who win. I don't think subscription to reach the people is the way to do it. Everybody's had enough up to here with I'm paying $5 here right. and $10 here. Next thing you know, you're paying a couple hundred bucks for subscriptions. So the idea is to keep it to free. To get the news. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So the idea is to keep it free. Um, we still need to make money to keep the lights on. So, you know, we're trying, you know, ads and different novel ways of, right. uh, you know, getting, getting money in to, to keep things running. But right now, yeah, it's just, <laughs> it's a fight. It's a fight too, when your exposure is limited, um, with respect to 
the, I mean, I, we have, at one point I had 950,000 followers on Facebook. It's whittled, right. they whittled us down to, you know, I think we're about 820 or something like that now, but I can't reach all of them. Right. Yeah. I mean, you don't. Facebook does not you go allow to, me. Yeah. I mean, you go to boost the post, you're labeled political and you're not allowed to boost it. Exactly yes. right. Yeah. And so there's my, there's the big frustration for me is, okay, right. you got, you got almost a million people that want to see this and right. you're telling them they can't see it. Yes. And, and oh, by the way, I can't make any money off of it because you're not allowing me to monetize to keep it going. So hell with it. I'm going right. to try to figure out how to, to tell them, okay, Facebook. Yeah, I know you love it, but let's try the app because yes. that's, that's something that's more diverse and inclusive with respect to your ability to interface with the hosts and, and be right. a part of the cycle. Right? And uh, one more question before we ask our, our last question sure. here. Um, I just want to make sure we get this point across. Say I am somebody who holds a completely liberal point of view and I, uh, I stand against everything. I disagree with everything that you, you all are saying. So I come on Opslands and I hop on a new show and an article and I don't troll but I say, hey, I question what you said because of this or that, or did you see this or that? And I engage in like thoughtful disagreement with you. And I challenge mm -hmm. your views and I come out there and say, this is why. Am I going to be shut down or am I going to be allowed to, to put those comments on? You're not going to be shut down. And in fact, we have several contributors who are center left that write articles. Um, one of them was uh, wrote an article, and we we blasted it out. And then somebody on Twitter wrote, "You know, this is this is crazy. This person, you know, I don't agree with this person." And I wrote back politely and said, "Look, you know, this person I happen to know and served with them. I don't agree with them, but I can still have a beer with them." Yeah. Uh, and the premise is to give people who served a voice. Okay. And so he's, he, that's why his article is here. If you don't agree with it, please you know, feel free to tell us why you don't agree with it in a logical way. Right. So this person is an IT expert. Uh, they're on Twitter, J-A-I-C-E Harmon. She's now uh, a contributor on Perfect. Opslins. And she wrote back and said, I, I, I like what you're, you're talking about. And she's actually very sh savvy, very sharp, has a lot to say. And so now she's contributing. But to your point, as long as it's, it, it's within the realms of decency, I, right. I, I don't mind uh, putting it up. I think it should be put up. And that's what makes it unique too. Right. And so while you say that you, know, you're, you tend to be center right based, Again, just as you and I were talking about earlier, that's not because we set out to be that way. It's because this is the core values we we stand up for and profess and speak about and talk about. And so that's where, you know, that's where we land. But the invitation remains open and actually is wanted to yep. create some sort of middle ground between because we all live here. We all have to you know, exactly we have to figure this out. It cannot continue. This is not sustainable level in no. this in this country. So we have to figure out some solution and platforms like yours are yep. doing your very best to be a part of that solution. It's just whether or not, you know, you can you can I don't know how many times I hear that you can lead a horse to water or can't make a drink, right? You know, yeah. I have horses when I lead them I'm like, "Oh, that freaking saying. It's true. It's true." But um 
you know, you can put the olive branch out, but whether that's accepted or is like a gauntlet comes down in its place, that's not, you can't control that. All you can do is, exactly. is create the opportunity. Um, and maybe and one day. Yeah. Yeah. And the environment and the environment. Yeah. And, and hope that they don't call you to your point earlier, you know, a racist or a xenophobe or, you know, or because that happens so of, often. Like, it's just, I don't even it, notice it anymore. Like, I don't, yeah, I don't take it to like, heart anymore. I'm like, okay, clearly you're not ready for this conversation. Come back. I'll circle back with you in six months or and see if you're ready to have a conversation. Um, but you're well, in timeout for now. <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and typically I found yeah. anybody who, who resorts to that out of the gate, right. They have no substance behind what they're, they're, yeah. they're saying anyway. Right. I mean, they, that, so they, they resort to the emotional side of it yes. and the hyperbole to shut you down, right? Yeah. Because they have no way to counter what it is that you're saying. Typically, right. that's what I've found. Right. All right. This has been so cool and informative. And again, I do feel like I could keep you going on and on forever, but can't do that. Um, so I'm going to ask you this question that we like to ask on American Snippets. Um, we, you know, we started, you know, a little bit of our story. We started American Snippets um, three years ago, three plus years ago, when we thought the divisiveness then was at an unsustainable. <laughs> Whoops. <Yep. laughs> but turns out we're in a good place because we're at the tip of the spear now right there with you. Um, you know, already built that up. But uh, we one of the things that we believe in is that even even now with COVID and lockdowns and riots and sheer chaos happening in this country, we still believe in the power of the American dream. We believe that it is, in fact, alive and well. You just have to really be willing to get in there and put that time and effort in and go for it. Yeah. But we also know that the key to that American dream is that it's different for everybody. We There's no one version of that for all of America. We all have our own idea of what the American dream is. We certainly have ours. And so I'd like to ask you, what's your idea of, of the American dream? You know, I, I think, and I've been living it. I've had the, the pleasure of, of, of being able to live my American dream. And I think part of that is the freedom to be able to choose to do something that you believe in, that you would like to do, that nobody's going to tell you uh, that you can't do it, right? Some, some people may say, ah, I don't like that idea. That's different, right? Your inability uh, or barriers that are set up to prevent you from actualizing it, right, uh, don't tend to be there for us in America. And we, unless you travel overseas and live overseas and you see it on a regular basis because you've lived overseas in other countries, you do see systemic racism. You do see barriers of things that are overseas in these other countries that we don't have here. Um, yeah, do we have our problems? Yeah. But we have a beautiful system that empowers an individual if they're willing to risk failure. Okay, you got to be willing to fall on your freaking face. Okay, you will be rewarded if if you if you do it, if you plug in and do it. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy. May mean you fail a couple of times, um, but you have the opportunity to fail. Right, not the opportunity to sit there, shut up, and here's your <laughs> here's your X, Y, or Z to be a good citizen and, and we'll take care of everything because we're the, that, that's not what we're about. Right. We're about 
innovation and being bringing out that creative spirit in 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 taking those chances and those risks. So that that's that's how I would sum it up. I love it. I love it. I think you're one. I don't know anyone else has mentioned the part about being willing to fail, like have your you know face plants. I have a garden full of face plants out there. They're growing <laughs> tall and <laughs> proud and strong, you know. Uh, but that's a that's a really big key point is that you do have to be willing to to suffer a little along the way <laughs> to take those. The the good news is once you once you figure out how to fail and how to recover, it's like okay, just like you don't even notice it anymore. You just keep going. So exactly. Look, thank you again, A, for everything you're doing, B, for the service you've already put in to our, for our country and for what you're continuing to do. And please remind everybody listening again how to connect with OpsLands, how to get involved, how to listen, how to, you know, where can, where can they go to, to be a part of the OpsLands community? Yes, ma'am. Well, you could go to OpsLens.com, O-P-S-L-E-N-S.com. Um, for the website, and from the website, you could they'll it'll direct you to the app store to to get the, the app, download the app, um, see our live shows. We got the Matlock Show, Patriotically Correct, uh, just uh, real and unfiltered, uh, polite society, all great shows. Yeah. Um, I think everybody would enjoy it through the app store or the website, opslins.com. All right. Thank you so much again for taking the time to sit down with us today. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. All right, everyone. There you have it. That wraps up another episode of American Snippets. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I'd like to personally thank Ron Hammond for being here as well and sharing his story. One more thing before we let you go. Uh, don't forget to head on over to iTunes or your favorite podcast app and please leave us a review, a five-star review. Reviews are really important in helping us get these stories out there in front of more people, growing our audience and getting us higher uh, ranked in the uh, podcast platform. So we would really appreciate your help if you could leave us a review, uh, five stars, leave a written review and download the last 10 episodes. Those three things would really help us in growing our audience and getting these stories out there in front of more people. And we would really appreciate your support. Share this podcast with a friend. Let people know what we're doing here. Share one of your favorite episodes on Facebook or Instagram and tag us at American Snippets. Don't forget each and every week we do a full write-up on every one of our guests over at americansnippets.com. You can check out this week's episode with Don Hammond, re-listen to the podcast, watch the video interview, read the write-up, and we also include some social media links there that you can use to follow Ron on social as well as download his app, Ops Lens. Don't forget we have our Great American Syndicate. This is a community and association of patriotic, freedom-loving Americans just like you. We're offering a free T-shirt for anyone who joins uh, to check it out. So go to greatamericansyndicate.com. We would love to see you inside. And that pretty much wraps it up. We appreciate you being here today. Now go out there and show the world how exceptional you truly are. <laughs>